read the first verse and then down to the fifth through the seventh and then down to the tenth through the twelfth. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? And then down to the fifth verse. After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee. For God is with thee. And then down to the tenth verse. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and of the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all that knew him before time saw that, Behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb is Saul also among the prophets. And so for a little while today, the question that became the proverb, is Saul among the prophets? Samuel anoints Saul to be the first king over Israel. And he further confirms the anointing with three signs. First, Saul, you are going to meet two men, and they're going to tell you where the donkeys are, or that they are found. Then you are next going to meet three men. These three are going up to God, to Bethel. After that, you will meet a company of prophets. They're going to be coming down from the place of worship. And they're going to have some instruments, a psaltery and a tablet, a pipe, a harp. And they shall prophesy. And when they do, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. And you're going to be turned into another man. And when these signs come unto thee, you do as occasion serve thee. In other words, when the Spirit of God comes on you and you're turned to another man and the signs are fulfilled, then do whatever 
you feel like doing. Praise God. Amen. For God is with thee. Praise God. Now, that's, that's the crowning statement. For God is with thee. Now, everything that Samuel said came to pass. He saw the two men, he saw the three men, and he came upon the company of the prophets. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied. He just began to just preach under the supernatural anointing that fell upon him, the first anointed king. Now, now the Scripture says that when everybody that knew him, that's all the people, saw that, they said one to another, Is Saul also among the prophets? That question that was asked that day by the people, the Scripture says, became a proverb. It became a proverb. Now, I know we know the book of Proverbs, but a proverb is a short saying in common use that strikingly expresses some obvious truth. We have a lot of proverbs. We say, a penny saved is a penny earned. We say, waste not, won't not. We say, is the Pope a Catholic? Is fat meat greasy? You know. So that question became, among the Israelites, a proverb. Is Saul among the prophets? Every time they wanted to stress a point, Saul may not even be in the story. But they would come out with a proverb. Is Saul among the prophets? Is the Pope a Catholic? Amen. That became a common expression in the Israelitish language. It was said so often that it became a part of their speech. Is Saul also among the prophets? It went on from year to year to year to year to year. Now, seeing what was happening, the sight of these prophets coming down from worship, and they were coming from worship. They had their instruments. And this sight was a familiar sight to everyone because these prophets did it all the time. Men that were going to work or going out to the pastor realized as they saw these prophets with their instruments that life had mysterious depths which only a few gifted people could penetrate. Now, that was all right. They preferred, those people of Israel, preferred that these mysteries and these ecstasies that these prophets enjoyed would just be kept within their own ranks. It was all right for them, but not for themselves. They wanted to keep their distance. That was their attitude. But when they looked up, and saw that Saul was with them, 
and was worshiping and was prophesying, they were not only surprised, they were embarrassed. Yeah. To see this handsome, tall son of a well-to-do farmer joining in the singing and the dancing of these mysterious men that had supernatural powers. What are we coming to? That was, that was their thoughts. Saul has no business with that group. This was their feeling. Prophets were religiously respected for their supernatural powers, but they were socially despised for their uncouth ways. Amen. The prophets of those days, they were respected because they had power. And the Spirit of God would come upon them between times and they would tell people things they didn't want to hear. They respected them at a distance, but they despised their uncouth ways. They just didn't act according to form. They were different. They were unusual. Amen. And that feeling back then is the same thing we face today. This is a general feeling today. The feeling that is growing is that there should be a big space between the saws and the prophets. Amen. Between the world and God. Between the natural and the supernatural. Let the prophets sing and dance and prophesy, but Saul ought not to meddle with that kind of thing. Why would he even want to, was their question. They didn't know that Samuel had put oil all over him and said, get up there and find those prophets. Amen. Now that, that opinion was the opinion of the ordinary onlooker. Obviously Saul didn't feel that way and obviously the prophets didn't mind him joining them. But I want you to see what happens. And what happened? It became a proverb. And a proverb hardens into convention. And it petrifies into custom. Is all among the prophets became a popular saying. And the feeling that was generated by that proverb, that popular saying, the feeling that came about that prophets were religiously respected for their gifts, but socially despised for their worship, became more and more a habit with the people. And every time they said, Is Saul also among the prophets? As a proverb, they were creating distances between the natural and the supernatural. And as time went on, it became popular to despise, to ignore, and to neglect, and to revile the Amoses and the Jeremiahs that were to come along later. Amen. They despised them because that cliche was ever in their mind. Is Saul among the prophets? And it also became more and more unpopular for a king to company with the men of God. 
As you follow Saul to his lamentable end, the power of prayer deserts him. He no longer can pray. He is driven to consort with a practitioner of that witchcraft which he himself had outlawed. Does that ring in the bells? If I build again the things I have destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. This man that was among the prophets was so pressured by the people until he drew back from them. He lost his praying power. And the very thing that he had pronounced judgment and death upon, he was consorting with. Do we see ministers today hobnobbing with the things that they one time felt was wrong? And people doing again the things that they had consigned to judgment? Huh. And then finally beyond the witch to where he lay out there in the field of Gilboa with David singing over him that immortal requiem. The glory, O Israel, is slain upon the high places. How are the mighty fallen? When, I'm, when I read that, I think on it, I'm reading of a man for whom heaven and earth were finally divorced. The very ligaments of his soul was forced apart by the pressures of popular opinion. Hey, men. Amen. I'll say it again. The ligaments of his soul was forced apart by the pressures of popular opinion. Now, what does it go back to? It goes back to that phrase. The makers who made is Saul among the prophets into a popular proverb. He kept hearing it over and over and over and over again until he drifted further and further and further away from it. Amen. Praise God. And when the last chapters of his life are written, is Saul among the prophets then? No. He's with the witch of Endor. And soon he will be among the dead. Saul crossed the forbidden line that the people didn't want him to cross. And they said, don't do that again. And he said, I won't. Hey, I'm talking to myself. Amen, amen. 
There are those that say, don't do it again. Don't act such a fool. Ah, they're fastly losing their respect for, for us. And we're blending in with the crowd. More and more to be like the bystanders because we don't want to be different. But a thousand years later, after Saul's death on Gilboa, another king came to Israel. He brought the vision of God to ordinary men. Jesus of Nazareth was God among men. Now, he, he developed a greater social era than Saul did. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, he committed all the errors of society. Saul was among the prophets. But God was among men. Hallelujah! And when the Father brought his epileptic son to see whether the followers of Jesus could make him whole, Jesus said, bring him to me. It was this devastating practicality that ensured the destruction of Jesus. It wasn't that he hurt anybody. He always was helping. Here was heaven walking on earth. Not somebody talking about it, but somebody doing it. Mm. Jesus! Walking, heaven walking among men. Not just talking about it, but here he was. And public opinion directed still by the proverb, is fat meat greasy? Is Saul among the prophets? Said, you are making yourself out to be God. You're a blasphemer. Yeah, it was still prevalent among them. And one acute interpreter of the proverb, Pontius Pilate, said to him, Do you tell me that you are a king? Yes. He didn't say it, but he could have, but not in the way you think I am. I want you to watch Pilate. Watch every remark of his that the Gospels report. Watch how he gathers up all of his popular assumptions about kings. Pomp, splendor, power, attractiveness. That was Saul, wasn't it? He was the handsomest and tallest man in the country. And so Pilate just equated kingship with handsomeness and tallness and power and pomp and splendor. And Pilate remembered everything he had ever been told except what the old prophet 
had said of Israel's real king, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men. Pilate didn't know because he was using the old proverb. And he, he just didn't remember what the prophet had said. So he asked this man before him, Jesus, whose only weapons were words, whose only bodyguards was friendship, whose only wealth was love. Can you really call yourself a king? He laughed it off. Yeah, Pilate laughed it off. But I want you to know he sent a police squad to guard the tomb after the crucifixion. Jesus might have been socially unacceptable because of his uncouth ways, but he just might be too difficult to kill. Amen. So, so, the guards, the guards. If there's anyone saying of this Jesus, which expresses in a few words the whole content of his ministry, it's this statement. What God hath joined... Let not man put asunder. I'm not just talking about marriage. But that one statement seems to sum it all up. What God hath joined, let not man put asunder. God has joined heaven and earth, vision and practicality, word and flesh, That's God's design for this world. And everywhere people have sought to frustrate it. Amen. The psalmist saw it in the design of God and and he said mercy and truth reconcile. Righteousness and peace embrace one another. But these are contradictory. Mercy, truth, righteousness, peace. Can you eat your cake and have it too? Yeah. Mercy and truth. Righteousness and peace. And the truth about God's purposes has always been known. But the divorce has been accepted. Man has Put asunder what God hath joined together. And so Queen Michael, or Michelle, tells David that when he dances before the ark, he makes a fool out of himself. Is Saul among the prophets? And so, the people tell us, when we dance before the Lord, we make a fool out of ourselves. And so it becomes a proverb. You're making a fool out of yourself. You're making a fool out of yourself. We say it so many times until we 
stand sedate, failing to yield. Saul had forgotten that Samuel said, when you see these prophets, you're going to be a new man, a new heart. Uh, and my spirit is going to be upon you. Amen. Praise God. And brethren, when we walk before the ark, we are not who we think we are. Amen. You want the pop and the splendor of the king? Oh, he came lowly, without beauty. Because he came with a purpose. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Run and tell Saul that he should mix with the people. Hmm? Run and tell that preacher that he, he, shouldn't, he shouldn't dance like that. And Michael couldn't wait till he got to the room to say, hey, you made a fool out of yourself. You really did, David. I'm so embarrassed over what you have done today. You, you are among the prophets. David said, just wait till tomorrow. Just wait until tomorrow. Praise God. If you think I did something today, just wait. I'll do more than that. I'm so alarmed at the trends that I see. On the whole, Saul is favored more than the prophets. Yeah. Too little is being done to renounce the sentiment we really want to be accepted. Now, I'm not decrying diplomacy or tact or kindness. But friends, we're never going to be accepted. We're going to have revival. Amen. We're going to have revival. But it's not going to be because we are accepted. Amen. Don't ever forget it. We're always going to carry a stigma. Amen. They'll go to everybody else's church before they'll come to ours. Because we have a stigma. The name of Jesus. Amen. Marks us. And they hold us at arm's length. And that's not to our disadvantage, that's to our advantage. Hey, keep holding us at arm's length and give us room to let God move through us. Because if you crowd us in and we blend into your color, you're not going to see any difference. 
Amen. But when we really begin to let God have His way, praise God, and we become the instrument in His hands, and we really dance before the ark as it comes into the city of Jerusalem, we're going to need 50 miles of elbow room. Hallelujah! Because we're going to let you know that it's not with anything that we can do, but it is the power of the living God. all your proverbs and say all your cliches and put it all together, we're going to keep preaching that the Word became flesh. Amen. And dwelt among us. And His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And He's not divisible by three, but we call it oneness. God in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! you to know that we can ally it with the glory. Hallelujah. Paul said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. I challenge you today. Forget about the proverbs and the cliches and what people are saying. There is a hunger in the world. 